This podcast is brought to you by Convo Cloth, the official clothing apparel of the NBC podcast. For the latest apparel, please go to www.nothingbutconvos.com. Now, let's get into the latest episode of the NBC podcast with your boy, S. McCann. Good people. It's the NBC podcast with your boy S. McCann. This is episode five, Philadelphia Eagles off season. And in this episode, I have two special guests, Nick R. and Pat C. Both are from Philly, and both are four for four guys. So let's get into it. Episode 5, Philadelphia Eagles offseason. Yeah. This is episode 5, Philadelphia Eagles offseason. Um, I'm here with um, my special guests, Pat and Nick. Um, Pat and Nick. Um, just give me, um, you know, an overview on how you guys um, became Eagles fans and where you guys are both from. Nick, you uh, can start. Guess, okay, Nick, go first. Yeah. The, the older one. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I've been an Eagles fan because I was born and raised South Philly, so it really wasn't like, – I didn't pick the Eagles, just born into it. And, I mean, for me, it's wherever you're born is – that should be your team. So it was an easy pick for me. Yeah, I guess it was similar for me too. I grew up in Mayfair also in Philly and my grandfather and my old man would go down to Franklin Field and watch Eagles games. They were there for the, the, the when they threw snowballs at Santa Claus. It was a, it's a whole thing that I was born into. And until a couple of years ago, it was pretty frustrating. But now that we got a Super Bowl, it, it, it seems like it worked out. Yeah. All right, so give you a little overview on how I became an Eagles fan. Um, my mom was a diehard Cowboys fan growing up. And, yeah, when I was born, um, you know, um, I would watch Dallas games or whatever. But at the same time, um, Dallas was always on. So every – Back in the 80s, Dallas, 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 Dallas. So every time when Dallas was on their run and winning championships and everything else, so every time Dallas would win on Sunday, I would have to wear this Dallas sweatsuit to school every Monday. Every Monday. Yo. Oh, my goodness. Yo. Soon as I grew out of that suit, I was so happy, man. It was just terrible, man. So I hate Dallas to the death because of my mom. And, you know, once I start getting older and older, um, I live in the area, you know, South Jersey. So whatever was on was um, Eagles was on. So that just became my team. And so, you know, the Eagles is my team. 
just as a, as a, as a quick thing, why, why is your, why is your mama a diehard Cowboys fan? Because of her, um, brothers. So, okay. um, she's the only, um, female, um, that was born with her brothers. So, um, that's gotcha. all they were into Dallas, Dallas. And basically back in the day, that's all was on. That's the only team that was on back in the day. Yeah. Basically was Dallas. Cause that's the Americans team. So that's the reason why, um, I went to I went to college in in the boonies in like northeast Pennsylvania in the Poconos and so I a lot of kids that I went to college with like were from the middle of the state like between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia where you kind of have a natural choice of do you go with Pittsburgh or do you go with Philly but a lot of them ended up settling on the Dallas Cowboys because I think to that point where in the mid 90s 93 94 95 96 when they won those three Super Bowls that was the team that was predominantly on Monday night football or whatever national broadcast you had. So there's like large swarms of Dallas Cowboys fans just throughout the middle of Pennsylvania because of that exact reason of it always being on television. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy, man. I, I, I hate it. I hated that sweatsuit. So um, the Eagles off season moves. So the first main move that really happened um, was the, the Darius Slade trade. It was for a third round pick, number eighty five, and a fifth round pick, number um one hundred and sixty six. So, what do you guys um what are you guys view on this Darius Slade trade? Uh, I guess I'll just continue to go first on these packs. Okay, so we don't have the confusion. I love the Slade trade. Um, we needed a corner. Provided what we needed. My only worry, it's not even a worry, but like I, I work with a buddy who's from Michigan, so he's a alliance fan. He knows, like he says, he does get dinged up a lot. And anyone who knows the Eagles these past couple of years, we've been dealing with way too many injuries. But even with a little bit of an injury worry, I would make that trade 10 out of 10 times. I think he's a really good number one corner. I think he's going to shut down no more receivers for us. It could make our other corner's job a little tougher because it could just be like yeah. the old Namdi, not when Namdi was on our team before Oakland, where it just stay away from play side and attack the other. So I'm curious to see how that plays out, but otherwise I love the trade. I'm all for it. Yeah. Nick, you weren't concerned about the, the, the draft capital that they kind of had to give up, especially with the opportunity to go after Byron Jones out there? Um, so no, only because, and Sam knows how I feel with Howie, I don't trust Howie with with drafting anyway, okay. I'm just like, just give up some of the picks if we have to to get a guy that I've seen proven because I don't trust what he's going to do. And as we're going to get into later with some of his picks, yeah. <laughs> um, I, just, I don't trust him. Are you, are you wearing a Jalen Hurts Eagles jersey right now as we speak? No, it's, it's still in the middle. <laughs> yeah, the, the, um, the draft one. capital, I don't – you had to give that up for him as long as – as long if you didn't give up a number one and number two, I was fine with whatever they gave up for um, Darius Slay. I was, I, I actually, I, I also was fine with the trade. I thought it was, it was a great trade, and I also loved the extension that was signed to him. It's very, it's appropriate for the corner market considering a player of, uh, of Slay's caliber. The the thing that I just think about draft capital is the entire lead up to this whole off season was that the Eagles needed to make a commitment toward getting younger and that all of these draft picks that they'd accrued over the last couple of years via compensatory picks 
and just their own picks and trades was an aim towards making that big youth movement to kind of bring in the next generation of Eagles teams behind them. And that third and the fifth round pick seems to kind of go against that grain or that, that, that theory that, that we were going to do that. I think the more so that I wouldn't have been so jammed up about the third and the fifth, which again, I'm not, I like play as a player is the, is the wasted fourth round pick on Avery from the previous year, getting that defensive end that you ultimately didn't really bring into the fold and has kind of become an afterthought through this off season yeah. that you, you burnt a pretty solid draft pick on a player that at this particular point kind of seems like an afterthought in the team. Yeah. But again, I, I, I liked the trade. I think it addressed it, addressed the most important need that the Eagles had this off season. And from all accounts, he seems like a stud. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Um, so his deal was a three year, um, 50 million extension. And then he has an out year in 2020. So, the first year in in two thousand and I mean two thousand and twenty two is his out year. Um, so the first year this year, um, I guess he's still playing on his um, same deal, but he did you know get the signing bonus or whatever. So to me, um, this deal was a team friendly deal basically because you get a number one corner for the market price basically or a little bit under the market price or whatever you want to call it um and then you have an out year um in 2020 so if he doesn't work i mean 2022 so if he doesn't work out um you can cut ties with him what do you guys think on that i I like the contract they gave him i thought money was fine right where it should be for his type of player at that position I don't mind the out year because, like I said, if hopefully they're not going to win, it doesn't come up. But if if his injuries creep up, we can get out of it if needed. Yeah. And then by 2022, you've got to have to have confidence that Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas will be the all-pro level corners that we drafted before. So we could probably cut ties them at that particular juncture, right? Or another draft draft pick (laughs) or something. Please register on this podcast. That was a joke. And then I'm not yeah. still all in on Rasul Douglas. <laughs> yeah, they trash. We know they trash. Everyone's going to know now that Pat is still all in on Sydney Jones. This podcast just went straight down. Oh, man. All right. So um, um, the next offseason moves was Jalen Mills, um, Roddy McLeod, Nate Sudfeld, Javon Hargraves, Hassan Ridge. Ridgeway, um, Jatavius Brown, Will Parks, and Nicolette Roby Coleman. So these deals was basically all of them was one year deals except um, Javon Hargraves um, and Rodney McLeod was a two year deal. But um, how do you guys feel about um, these offseason acquisitions? Uh, I mean, there was a lot of them, but I'll try and hit on as I can remember them. So the Mills move, I don't mind. I do not think Mills is a great player, but I'm, I'm interested to see him at the safety because that's where I think he will be better. Yeah. And I kind of actually really like that he's a one-year deal because if he's not, it's just like after this year, see ya. Yeah. I think he will be better as a safety than he was as a corner. So we'll see with that one. The Hargraves move is tough for me. I, I really like Hargraves as a player. Yeah. But I'm 
I get why we brought him in. I'm actually excited to see him pair next to Fletcher Cox. But it's like you dumped all that money on him after you just dumped all that money on Malik Jackson. Yeah. And you have however much money you have on Fletcher Cox. That's a lot on your D tackle. And it's a lot of money we have invested on our defense line altogether, which I don't think our defense line is really that good. It's a very good run-stopping defense line, but we don't get as much pressure from defense line as yeah, I would like to is kind of trash. So you're putting all that money on D-tackles. It's tough. I do really think Hargrave is a good player. I'm kind of expecting Jackson to be gone after this year yeah. because of that. If you can do that and clear the cap from him, I'm more towards it. Uh, who is it? Will Parks, I like. Uh, we run three safeties anyway a lot. Good backup safety. McLeod, I don't hate McLeod. I also don't love McLeod. Yeah. But two-year deal, not horrible. You can't get rid of all your starters and just renew. So I understand it. I just, I'm hoping to see more. He's not a horrible player, but he's also not special. Like, he's not, like, a difference maker. Yeah. Uh, Sudfeld, I, I don't. I mean, he's whatever. I actually wanted to see more of Sudfeld last year. He came back and we stuck with McCown. I love McCown, but I would have rather seen him and see what he could do. Uh, am I forgetting any of the other signings? Um, no. Um, the the slot god. You forgot the slot god. And then Hassan oh. Ridgeway. So, uh, Roby so Coleman. Roby Coleman. Uh, from, so, I don't – I haven't really paid too much attention to like tape-wise, but from what I read, he should be really good in the slot, so I'm all for it. We need corner help. Uh, it was a little sad because I actually really like um, LeBlanc, and I yeah. think LeBlanc is a slot-only corner, but I'm not going to not upgrade just because I like LeBlanc. Yeah. And Ridgeway actually is a good player, so for depth, I'm all for it. But once again, we just we invested a lot in defensive tackles this year, so I'm curious to see how that rotation goes and how you play out with the cap in the years to come because of all the money invested in that position. Yeah. I, 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 I you knew Jalen Mills wasn't going to go anywhere. Jalen Mills is a, is, is what's his name's dude. He just like, he's not going to, he's not, Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills and Jim Schwartz gets his guys on defense as it seems over his, his tenure here at the Eagles. So you knew Jalen Mills was going to come back. I, I, I am optimistic at his chances at safety. And they require their their safety in the Malcolm Jenkins mold to be able to play cornerback. So his background in that position certainly would be a strength. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic. Jalen Mills, McLeod was again, I think, stability in that backfield where you need to have somebody who had been back there before come back. And obviously, they made the decision that Malcolm Jenkins wasn't worth the amount of money that he was asking for, and they moved on. I, I wonder if we're going to rue the day that we kind of let him go. It reminds me of uh, another safety that we kind of cut ties with a couple of years ago, and it turned out to be uh, a dry position for us for almost a decade. Yeah. So I'm a little bit worried about that. I don't think Nate Sudfield even is worth my time. Jason <laughs> Hargrave, I think, is a great signing. I am incredibly excited about the Jason Hargrave or the Javon Hargrave signing because the entire purpose of the wide nine is to generate that pressure up front to kind of relieve the pressure on the secondary and the linebackers because of it gives the quarterbacks a limited amount of time to make decisions and work through progression. And so 
the the functionality of putting Hargrave in there. Jackson has the ability to move outside. They move Graham inside. And so they do have a lot of flexibility along that defensive line that I think that you can look at Hargrave as a defensive tackle, but other guys on the line are able to kind of go inside and move in outside. And so that ability, that flexibility kind of gives them a lot to work with. So I really am excited about that. And if I'm correctly, the, the Jackson deal runs out of guarantee money after this year. So to yeah. Nick's point, they can cut ties with them. Yeah. But it's just, you look at what Hargrave did in a limited role in Pittsburgh, his productivity was off the chart. Like out of Fletcher Coxon, I know whenever you look at small um, sample sizes, it's, it's difficult to judge. But when you're looking at that sort of productivity, I think it's it's pretty impressive. So I, I think to take him away from Pittsburgh, bring him in, he's mid twenties, he has plenty of years in front of him, was an incredible signing. Yeah. Ridgeway provides depth along the defensive line, and he's had some moments. So it's a really low low risk, low reward deal that he provides some depth behind your defensive tackles. Jatavius Brown. I don't know. It it seems like every single year they sign a, a linebacker and they talk about him potentially working out and he goes like a Corey Nelson and they cut him before the start of the year. So I guess we'll, I'm not really too, too excited about that. I agree with the Will Park signing that the Eagles run a lot of uh, three safeties out there. Corey Graham obviously filled that role for the first two years. And more recently we had uh, Andrew Sandejo. Yeah. So he fills that role that obviously is important in the Eagles defense. And I'm excited about the, the, the Roby Coleman signing. Yeah, Everything too. points to him being one of the best nickel cornerbacks in the entire league. And you, you spoke about Ravon LeBlanc, but you need to have a, a strong stable of cornerbacks because to your point earlier, Slay has a history of being dinged up and Avante Maddox has injury history and, you need to have people that are going to be able to step up and depth is the key in the NFL. And so to have a large group of cornerbacks you have confidence in that can kind of function in a lot of different roles is going to be key going forward when inevitably you deal with injuries throughout the season. Yeah. So my thought on these um, offseason acquisitions, um, Jalen Mills, I knew he was coming back. I thought he was coming back as a cornerback, not a, you know, safety um, you know, position. Um, to me, I think Jalen Mills will be our starting quarterback opposite um opposite of Darius Slay because he's better than what we have now on that other side. And to me, um the other guys are too small and um we have, um, you know, corners that, you know, basically will get hurt. So Jalen Mills, he already has experience on that other side. I think that that will be our um, starter um, on that right side. Um, the Rodney McLeod um, safety, eh, it, it's not a, a, a deal where you say, oh, he broke the bank or whatever. Um, just like Nick's point. He has um, stability in the um, defense. So basically you can't cut everyone from the defense and bring someone new on. Um, I think that we needed that veteran leadership. Nate Sudfeld, 
whatever. He's just, you know, another body in camp that, that will throw the ball. Um, the Jason Hargrave, Javon Hargrave's um, signing, I think that was a good signing because he's a young D tackle that's a beast, and he's going to be playing alongside um, Fletcher Cox. So it's either you're going to double Fletcher Cox and these other people will get an opportunity to have one-on-one um, to play one-on-one with these um, linemen or you don't double Fletcher Cox and he's just going to go all crazy. Um, the Hassan Ridgeway, um, like you guys said, that was for, just for depth and that's cool with me. Um, Jatavius Brown, the linebacker, I just think he's going to be on special teams. Um, I don't see him being a impact linebacker and I could be wrong. The Will Parks, um, safety signing. I love this signing. He's a young guy. Um, he was looking for big money. He didn't get it. And now he's going to play hard to get that long-term contract. And I just liked how he played, um, in that role at, um, I guess Denver. And to me, um, yes, Jalen Mills, came back to play safety, but I think Will Parks can be that safety um, that um, Jalen Mills is coming to be or signed to be. Um, the the Roby Coleman trade, I mean, signing, um, I love it. Um, just like you said, it's going to be a stability. Um, you're going to have someone that played the slot um, that has – um, history and experience on just being a slot corner and he's a beast he's been a beast for years and I just really love that signing um so let's um go into the NFL draft um not moving up in the draft and missing on CD lamb how do you guys feel about that Nick well I mean it it was like a double slap because Dallas ended up taking I feel makes it hurt even more. I I wasn't pissed we didn't move up. I think for me, what made it worse was after you don't move up, and then we drafted who we drafted. Now I don't. I didn't do as much homework as I normally do in a draft. Yeah. So I don't know about Rector as much as other people, but I'm just going off of where I saw he was projected from a lot of this draft experts. And it seems like no expert that I saw had him rated as this. I believe he was the fourth receiver taken by us. Nobody had him as the fourth. So it's just like, well, you're not going to move up and get one of those top three, but then you're just going to sit there and get five. So he was more like the eighth to tenth receiver, which again, I don't care. We took him. I was like, well, couldn't we have moved back, maybe get some more picks? Yeah. And then it just, when we drafted him, and I was kind of like, who just gave me flashbacks of last year, J.J. Arthagan. I'm like, who the hell is this? And yeah. He did not show up at all. So not trading up, I'm not too mad at. So we had a lot of needs, so I didn't want to give a lot. But I don't know when you don't move up and then you sit there and take that guy. I'm going to do the wait-and-see approach, hopefully. He's a really good receiver, but. It was, you know, <laughs> it really wasn't what most of the fans wanted to see. Yeah. But. 
I, 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 I think I, I'm, I'm with Nick in that the probably the most troubling part of it was the fact that Dallas went out and got him. And so we're obviously going to see him two times a year for however many years he plays there. And so if he turns into a, a, a great player, which people have projected him to be, then that's obviously going to be a little bit of a twist of the knife. I, I kind of agree with Nick on the, I thought the, the Rhaegar thing was a little bit of a reach. Uh, a lot of projections had him available in the second round, especially around when our pick was. Yeah. I, I really thought that they could have used multiple weapons. And so that, that idea of getting Justin Jefferson and then coming back and getting Rhaegar in the second round, obviously would have been a lot more exciting. I think for me and for a lot of fans to see that you picked up two new wide receivers. Yeah. But again, I, 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 I don't I, – I, I, I have a hard time – I have a hard time trusting Howie Roseman and his, his drafting strategy. I, I think in the, the second-round pick, I think this is much more evident. He, he, he often pretends like he's the smartest guy in the room and that the Eagles exist on a different plane than everyone else does, that they just are they're, – they're more intelligent than everyone. And so this, I, I wonder if this is another one of those manifestations that Howie Roseman is smarter than every other NFL GM or president or ownership and that he's going to outthink everyone. And yeah. so I, I truly hope that I'm wrong. And what I've read and what I've watched of Rhaegar and the subsequent months since the draft, I've been impressed with. And he has a lot of functionality, his ability to move in different positions to be used in the slot and outside. And that's exciting. So... I think a wait and see approach, obviously, with all draft picks, is the most prudent. But I just think there was something that could have been done that would have gotten us two offensive options this season, as opposed to just one. And we'll get into the second round next. But yeah. So my thought, I could have sworn when I'm watching the draft, I could have sworn we was going to get Justin Jefferson. And then when they said Rager's name, I said, "What are they?" Hold on. So I had to go back and look up, you know, do the YouTubes and and do everything else. And then, like, Jalen Rager was maybe the seventh best or, you know, sixth best receiver, you know, throughout, you know, the, the scouts and everything else. So he wasn't even on no one's radar at 21. And to me, the Eagles had a great trade partner in the Atlanta Falcons at 16 to draft, um, go ahead of Dallas and draft CD lamb because the Atlanta Falcons, they selected AJ Terrell from Clemson and AJ Terrell was not even on no one's radar to go at 16 for, from his performance in the national um, championship game where he was just getting cooked all over the field. No one had him nowhere near 16. So if we would have traded up to 16, we would have grabbed CD lamb. They would have had 21. They still would have got AJ Terrell. Now, I don't know if we did have something in place with Atlanta and they wanted more compensation than how he would have wanted to give up. But at the same time, you know, everybody has doubts on how Howie can draft. And that was the one of the doubts, like, yo, what, 
why didn't you move up to 16? And, you know, that's the question that we all would have. So, but Sam, it goes back. I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, Sam, ahead. it goes back to like them trading away draft capital, and yeah. and with Darius Slay, it, it costs a third and a fifth because they weren't able to get a deal done with Byron Jones, and they also lose a fourth the previous year with Jannard Avery, and so yeah. you, you start off with a certain amount of draft picks, and that gives you flexibility. But then when you get into the draft, and you're 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 trying to make this commitment to getting younger, and you need to start packaging these draft picks, and you you sent away three of them already you kind of, the bank starts to get a little bit light. Yeah. And so after 21, Jalen Rager, um, there were four wide receivers picked. So um, right after at 22, Minnesota picked Justin Jefferson. Um, at 25, um, the, the, Sandy, um, the San Fran 49ers, San Francisco 49ers picked Brandon Ayuk. Um, at 33 in the second round, the Cincinnati Bengals picked T. Higgins, and at 34, the Indiana the Indianapolis Colts selected Michael Pittman. To me, um, the best person or best receiver um, on this, or that went after Rager, would have been T. Higgins because he had speed, he has the height, and um, his potential. Um, ceiling as being a receiver in the league. I think he has the potential to be a great receiver. But um, Justin Jefferson was the most accomplished um, between these, you know, all, all of these people. So um, I don't know um, how this will bite us. Um, just like you guys said, it's a wait and see approach on, you know, um, what might happen. But we'll see. So moving on to the second round. Um, if I can add in one thing about the Rhaegar real quick. Yes. The, it, it's worth noting that the, his, his previous year, he dealt with absolutely abysmal quarterback play. Yes. So his, his, the previous year that he had, hey, I had all the success, get over 1,000 yards receiving, he had a much better quarterback and a much better offense. And that last year, which probably impacted his, his draft stock, he, he dealt with a quarterback that was inferior to whatever he had dealt with before. So his draft capital could have lost because of the fact that he dealt with a, a, an inferior offense. So yeah. that's worth noting as well. And, you know, he has um, speed, but you can move him around. I'm not mad mm -hmm. at the pick. It was just, you know, just like Nick said, all of the fans was like, oh, what's going on? You know what I mean? Because he wasn't on no one's radar. You know, he, he's, he is a good football player. And in this system, they might have him, you know, be everything they want him to be as, you know, giving him opportunities and everything else. But at the same time, we didn't see this coming. So, yeah, and go ahead. the big with him is you just don't like even if he turns out to be a good player, there's always going to be at least in the back of my mind. Could we have got him later and then still got more? Yeah. Because I don't think anyone's really, after everyone's watched this tape and learned about I don't think people are really knocking him anymore. It's just where we took him. And we it didn't seem like we really had to take him right then. So yeah. we got another player and then took him later or anything else. So it's, and it's also a little wary of 
is he a true number one receiver or is he a great complement receiver? Yeah. Which I've heard some people say he's going to be a great two receiver where we're going to need at number one. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So the second round, um, you know, everybody knows that, you know, we picked Jalen Hurts. Who we draft again? <laughs> Jalen Hurts <laughs> from, you know, um, Oklahoma. Um, previously, he was at um, Alabama. Um, to me, this threw me off for real. Um, I didn't see this coming at all. Um, and do I think um, there were better options out there? Um, yes and no. Um, at this 53, just like um, Nick said, I would rather get another weapon in a wide receiver um, at 53. And the person that I really wanted was Denzel Mims. Um, but it was, it, w- it was shocking. How do you guys feel about um, this Jalen Hurts um, selection? This, that, that pick hurt me so much. I actually turned off the draft and did not turn it back on. Quarterback factory. <laughs> I, 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 I can't have – I don't care about Carson Wentz's injury, history. I don't care. You do not take – well, we have that many needs. You do not take a potential – backup when you just handed your other quarterback a huge contract and it's not like Wentz is old yet I I don't see it I don't agree with it there was plenty of other positions we need I don't think that Alabama said he was still there when we took hers but I was told we were going to move up to try and get him I really liked him yeah but even if we just stayed here anything else you you and and it does add on the fact with going Raybar first, we're all just who the hell is this guy? Then you come back with Hurts next. I know you shouldn't look at it that way, but you can't not. But and then and then everyone's saying, well, we got him to be the Taysom Hill type. First of all, if you actually look over the full season, of how much yards Hill actually did for the Saints, it's not much. It's like a third, your third string running back yards. So you're not drafting that kind of player in the second round. No. And I'm not even sure how good of a quarterback he is overall anyway. So even if we're get if we're moving on from Wentz, I don't know if Hurts is the guy who won't replace him. I, I can't stand the pick. And sadly, all the stuff I said about how they go into the draft, that pick just epitomized it for me. I was like, well, this is exactly why I don't trust this guy to do anything with his draft pick. And guess what? I hope somehow it's wrong. But saying that, it's kind of like a lose-lose anyway. For it is picked to be right for us. That means Wentz has to get hurt. Yeah. Them. I don't want to see that. Or Wentz doesn't get hurt. Wentz is a great quarterback that I believe he is. And now that guy's just sitting there. Maybe we can trade him for what? A third? A fourth? We ain't going to get a second for him if he's not playing. So yeah. I don't like this pick at all. The only way it becomes a good pick to me is if Wentz gets hurt or you move on from Wentz, which I don't want him to do. So I was not happy with this pick. The only joy that I took from the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts was watching sports media have to come up with a litany of reasons for why the Eagles selected Jalen Hurts. There, I believe at one point we got that it was a potential with COVID-19 response that if yeah. Carson Wentz got coronavirus and somehow no one else in the Eagles locker room got it, that they could replace Jalen Hurts and they would not miss a beat. But it, it was... 
it was a bewildering pick. And I'm, I'm looking at the second round and who was taken after him. You got the defensive end from Iowa. We had talked about how they lack defensive end depth. Uh, AJ uh, Epineza, yep. who, who, who was originally a first round uh, target, but then obviously didn't really perform well in his combine testing and stuff like that and kind of fell. But that's some defensive end. They have the safety out of um, Southern Illinois, Jeremy Chin, where you need, you need defensive back help. There's a lot of people on that list. Yeah. To Sam's point, Denzel Mims. Yeah. How exciting would it be if you, if you couldn't even get Rager in the second round? To have Justin Jefferson, and then you bring in Mims, who's a burner, yeah. and then you bring in two wide receivers. It just across the board, it's 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 bewildering. It really feeds into that narrative of of the Eagles believing that they're smarter than everyone else, and kind of outthinking themselves and taking someone that is just a maddening pick. And I think I think it also. And Jalen Hurts, I, I do think Jalen Hurts has the potential to be a good quarterback in the yeah. NFL. I just, I just, I feel for him because he's going into a situation that that is knowing Philadelphia. I was, I was driving the other day, and there was there was literally a debate going on on WIP, uh, long time listener, first time caller, and about whether or not it's still the right move to go with Nick Foles. And this is just adding kindling to that never-ending debate where people want to say that Carson Wentz isn't the right quarterback for this Eagles team, which he is. Can we please put that to bed? Yeah, they, the need, man, to, they, need, they need to put that to bed. And they, 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 they did the opposite of that. They, they basically dragged it back up, and we're right in the thick of it. And so... I, I feel for Jalen Hurts because I think there's a, so many better situations for him. I feel for Carson Wentz because he's had to deal with this his entire career, and he finally had a good run at the end of the year last year, and he's one dirty hit away from possibly leading the Eagles to a playoff victory, and we're back at square one where we have a quarterback controversy, and we wasted draft capital, and I don't even know where what we're going to do with this. Yeah. So. Um... Wentz contract in 2022 um that is a, a out year you know if he gets hurt or you know if something happens or whatever they do have an out year and you don't need to think about that like they're thinking so far into you know the future where you're hurting this team right now in the present to me so Carson's contract for this year, um, he'll be making 59.1 mil, and he's the second highest paid in the league. So if you have the second highest paid player in the league, you don't draft a quarterback in the second round. You give him more help so you can justify him being the second highest paid player in the league. You don't draft someone that really can't help him, you know, on the field as, you know, a pass catcher. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I uh, agree completely. And I just want to, real quick before I forget this, I want to point out about the Eagles being the smartest. Did it, both of you guys, were you so annoyed about when we drafted Jalen Hurts, the stupid grins on Cali and even Doug's face 
And yeah. it made me lose some respect for Doug. I wasn't a Doug fan, but they were so happy to get hurt. And I'm just like, what? Like, how are you idiots smiling at this pick? It really made me lose all faith in them with their knowledge on anything that they were that excited for this pick that everyone else that I know doesn't like. So just, you, I already had a low opinion of you, Hal. You just went down. And now I got Doug smiling. For what? But And then, like you said, Sam, to be to be worried about – if that's the other way of looking at it, the 2022, whatever the reason of looking, you don't draft because you're scared of an injury. You're drafting scared, and that's not how you draft. Injuries can happen. It's a rough sport. They happen. They don't happen. Like Pat said, Wentz only got hurt this year because of a dirty hit. Otherwise, he played every game. He looked great in it. He had no help because all his other supporting hits got hurt, and the guy still got us to the playoffs. I don't know what more they want to see from this guy, but I, don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I struggle because you, 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 and I, I think I think it's a valid point. You, you need to have two functioning quarterbacks in this league because the it, it's such a volatile league where at any single snap, any single play. I mean, even a non-contact play, you can tear a hamstring or an ACL or whatever it ends up being, and then you need to go to your backup quarterback. I just think that to draft someone in that position for that contingency plan wasn't the best approach, especially when you had guys like, I don't know, I mean, Joe Flacco, who was available, who is from the area, who's proven that he knows how to play in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. And yeah, is he removed from those best years of his career? Yes, but Nick Foles also really wasn't riding in on a side horse in yeah. 2017 when they re-signed him. So in the past, you've had success with retread quarterbacks. Josh McCown had a good game for a 40-year-old man on one hamstring. And Nick Foles had obviously that one stretch of time in his career where he set the earth on fire. And you, If you continue to bring in veteran quarterbacks to provide support, you can use that second-round pick on some of those other options that we already mentioned. So. It's just you need to have two quarterbacks, but you don't need to spend your second round pick on that backup quarterback when there's other options that are available. I mean, I don't even have to get into the fact, and I don't know where they're at in their negotiations. You have other quarterbacks named Cam Newton and yeah. Joe Flacco and other people that are I just available was out there. Say Cam, like you, just, you could have got Cam. Like right now, you could have waited. Like you could have got all. You could have got a receiver at number two. Or whatever, and you could have waited until now to say, "Oh, let's take a look at Cam Newton." Yeah, even that idiot Dallas got their backup. I would have took Dalton as a backup. He's a backup. Yeah. I was uh, was 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 Jameis Winston signed at the time of the draft? No, he he got signed. Another quarterback after. that's out there. Yeah, another quarterback. Yeah. Plenty of veteran quarterbacks who have a ton of starting experience that you get. Remember, these are backups. They're not guys we're going to want as your backup. And they went and wasted a second round pick on a guy who hopefully, I mean, we're all hoping doesn't see the field. So, correct. Any of you ever, your second round pick doesn't see the field. But the the main key of this whole thing is all of these quarterbacks went to teams that had um, a number one quarterback, and they knew going in that they're going to be a backup. All it, they they know they're going to be a backup. So if they say, "Oh, we didn't know if we can get this guy, that guy, whatever," but you didn't even wait. You didn't even wait till free free agency played out to even see what was going on. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you could have waited and say, oh, oh, Cam Newton said he wanted to start, but now he doesn't. To me, Cam Newton is a good option for this one year. I I agree with you. And that's actually the only reason that I, I hesitated to mention Cam was because I, I think Cam in his mind right now still thinks that there's a starting job that's available for him. And I don't know that he would have jumped at the opportunity to sign as Carson Wentz's backup at this particular juncture. But I would welcome Cam Newton in for a – I mean, literally, I would welcome him a stack of potatoes in that we could save that second-round pick and use it on something that's yeah. functional for this team today. Agreed. And people talked about her as a Taysom Hill role. You're telling me – Cam can't fill that role. Yeah. You also they they preach they preach this this quarterback factory mentality. Then if you are a quarterback factory, Nate Sudfeld has spent four years, three years in your program, yeah. and you don't have confidence that he can step in. What's what's wrong with the factory if we can't produce a backup over three years? Yeah, the factory. <laughs> so um, let's go into that. Eagles um, quarterback draft history, this little factory that they've been doing. So they drafted Kevin Cobb um, when McNabb was there. Um, They drafted Nick Foles when Mike Vick was there. And they drafted Carson Wentz when they had Bradford. So they flipped Kevin Cobb for a second-round pick. Um, Mike Vick, I think he just went. They didn't re-sign him. And then – Bradford, um, they flipped for a first-round pick. And then when they traded McNabb, um, they flipped him for a second-round pick. But um, who knows what you can flip Jalen Hurts for? We don't know what the future will hold. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he goes out there and, yeah, he's playing this Taysom Taysom Hill role and then he, 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 he hurts his knee. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, he hurts something where it's career ending. We don't know that. Like, they're going on, oh, we might can flip him on. You can't you can't have build a team and say you might get something for him or he might be our future quarterback. No, I don't understand. So, going on to the third round, um, we picked Davion Taylor. Wait, Sam, yeah. I, I, before I mentioned, did you only list quarterbacks on there that we flipped for – because there's some notable draft quarter, quarterbacks the Eagles have drafted that you, you've forgotten. One, Matt Barkley should be oh, on that yeah. list. Yeah, Matt and Barkley. Then, remember last year we, we drafted a kid out of Northwestern, uh, yeah. Clayton Thorson, and we didn't even hold on to him after dra- uh, training camp. Yeah. No, I, I was just going down you yeah. know, the Eagles' history of when they had um, a predominant number one and they got, you know, a quarterback – Understood. You know, yeah, you're yeah. what they actually traded for. What they actually I'll give you guys a, a a quick uh, quick quiz for you. Do you remember they traded Kevin Cobb for Dominique Rogers Cromartie yep. and a second round pick? Mm-hmm. Do you remember who they used that second round pick on? I do not. No. He's a local. He's a local kid. I can't remember. He was a safety at a temple. Oh yeah, I know. I, now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he ended up signing with the Jets. Name. Jaquan Jarrett. Yeah, Jarrett. Yep. <laughs> Trash. Yeah. Jay Con- he ended up having a pretty good career with the Jets. Yeah, but with us, he was garbage. Yeah. Yeah, Jaquan Jarrett. So, going to the third round and the other rounds of the draft, I'm going to just break down the names, and then I'm going to just um say my favorite pick of all of these rounds because once you start going into, you know, the third round, fourth round, 
fifth, sixth, and seventh. You don't know how these guys might turn out. Like, yes, a third-round pick should be a player that should be playing right away for you. And the the fourth-round pick should be a player that can get on the field, but you don't know um, that they might. So our third-round pick was um, Javion Taylor, um, Colorado linebacker. Fourth-round pick was Kayvon um, Wallace from Clemson, safety DB. Our fourth-round pick was Jack Dritzel, um, Auburn um, tackle. Um, our fifth-round pick was John Hightower, Boise State wide receiver. Sixth-round pick, Sean Bradley, local guy, um, Temple linebacker. Sixth-round pick was um, Quez Watkins, Southern Miss. Sixth-round pick was Prince Auburn tackle. And our seventh-round pick was Casey Tuhill. Um, Stanford um, outside linebacker slash DN. Um, my favorite pick um, from this um, these um, rounds was Kayvon Wallace. I think that was the stale um, pick of you know the fourth round and I guess our whole draft um, you know rounds that we drafted in. Um, I think this dude is a stud. Um, I think he's gonna come in. And I think he's going to play right away as well. And that's why my inkling of Jalen Mills moving back to corner will happen because you want to have Will Parks and this guy, Kayvon Wallace, on a field where you want to move Mills back to the opposite um, corner of Darius Slay. Um, what do you guys think about, you know, the draft picks um, throughout um. the other rounds? Yeah, as I said, I was so angry. I did turn it off, so I didn't get to see some of their footage, but I did like look. <laughs> I will say that linebacker, I didn't know much about him, but I listened to Ray Dittinger talk, and he actually said that was the best pick for where we got him for our whole draft. So yeah. I've listened to Ray Dittinger. I trust him. So I'm actually excited to see him. I know he doesn't have a lot of football experience. I he played a ton yeah. before that, but we need linebackers. I. I Without getting into much, I can't stand Jim Schwartz and his reasoning for not liking linebackers. There's also some of the Eagles that don't value linebackers. We need them. I agree with him. I love the Wallace pick. I think he is, like you said, Sam, he could make, um, I'm forgetting his name, Mills. Uh, Mills tied back the corner. Yeah. Or if Mills doesn't work out, you know, Mills just walked into this year. I think he is our safety of the future. I thought that was a great pick. And also, I heard Ike Reese sing his praise. Ike Reese, another guy I, I like because me and him seem to agree on most stuff. So, yeah. uh, the receivers we drafted, all I kept hearing is how fast they all are, which is good. I mean, you need speed, but I'm just like, well, I don't want an, a Madden team where we just get guys that are fast. Like, can they play? But I don't want to knock them either because I don't know enough about them. So, I'm not trying to knock any of those receivers. Maybe they can. But just when all I heard was, oh, this guy ran a four, blah, 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 this. I'm like, okay, good. They're all fast. Can they catch? Can they get open? Can they run a route? So it looked like they were just going, oh, let's get the fastest guys like the Raiders used to do. I can't think of the that receiver a while ago, the Raiders drafted. He just was a – they drafted him like eighth overall, and he couldn't catch anything. Oh, good, he's fast. Yeah. But I, I did actually like our later picks more than our first two. Uh, I like that linebacker, and I do really like Wallace. 
And um, the other linebacker, would you say his name was Sean uh, Bradley from Temple? Yeah, I heard pretty good things about him yeah. too. I got a soft spot for linebacker, so whenever we get a linebacker, I'm I'm really pulling for them. So we'll see. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm I'm happy with the back end of the draft. More the guy, the wide receiver you're thinking of is Darius Hayward Bay next. Yeah, that's that is yeah. kid out of Maryland. Yeah, he was uh, uh, what's his name? Al Davis was obsessed with his uh, his four three speed. Um, yeah, he, that is he couldn't thing. catch. He had stone hands. So the one thing that I'll, I'll add to that, actually, I have two points based on your thing. I I Ike Reese and I understand it was a different sport. Ike Reese lost me at one particular juncture where he tried to convince me in year two that Jaleel Okafor was still the superior pick to Chris Desprezingas. And that man spoke for an hour. And I know it's basketball, but Ike Reese lost me from following him after that hot take just for the rest of my life. But what I will say is the Kavon Wallace pick is by far what seems like the, the best pick these Eagles made during this draft. The kid was the captain of, of, a, of a Clemson team that was do- dominant throughout his entire time that he was there. He's already basically involved himself in the Philadelphia uh, like community. Have you seen the Have you seen the tattoo that he got on his back? And John is big. <laughs> I heard about it. Yeah, yeah I heard it is, about it. it I didn't see. He it. sat for He sat for a minute for that one. Um, but I, I kind of I kind of do like the back end of our our draft picks. Like I like Driscoll. I like uh, I like the, the the offensive tackle out of Auburn. Oh, Prince. The, the Eagles talk about being a quarterback factory, but I think really they developed a lot of great offensive tackle yeah, and offensive guards and centers throughout. And if, if anything that held over from the Chip Kelly era was bringing, um, and I'm drawing a blank, but that offensive line coach out of, out of Alabama, yeah. he, is, Stoutland. he was Stoutland. Stoutland. Yeah. Stoutland. He was an incredible signing as a coach and year in and year out they put out one of the best offensive lines in all of football yeah and he develops guys that come back in and they can step in when people get injured and so anytime they draft depth offensive linemen i always have a good feeling about his ability to develop them i i like the wide receiver picks i like the idea they target speed Nick made a good point that he doesn't know if they can get open or run routes or catch the balls. But in the past, we were drafting wide receivers that couldn't get open and run routes or catch the balls, and they weren't even fast. So at yeah. least this will be a change of time. <laughs> um, and again, you, you're right. It's the back end of the draft is always a crapshoot. You're just hoping to hit on one or two picks. But I, I at least I at least could wrap my head around the logic of these draft picks, and I like the the mentality of going out and picking positions of need or if people fell to you in positions, you, you draft them because you didn't think they'd become available at that particular point. So the back end of the draft, I really kind of felt like how he kind of hit his groove. Unfortunately, the the best picks remain to be seen, I suppose. Yeah. And so um, the roster construction of 2020, um, I think that Doug and Howie um, is trying to build our team to look like Kansas City with all the speed at receiver and then focus on all the tight ends um, or the two tight ends. Um, You know, um, Hill, 
will be, I guess, Rager will be Hill, and then the other receiver will be Deshaun Jackson, and then I guess the slot will be, you know, one of these, you know, fast receivers that we drafted um, in the later rounds, and then you have, you know, the tight end position being like a Kelsey, which is Ertz. Um, so I think that our roster is kind of looking like Kansas City's construction. Um, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I, I agree. I think that's what they're trying to do. I don't agree necessarily that's what they should do. I've been saying for a while they should be watching a lot of tape of the Patriots offense when they had uh, Gronk and Hernandez. Yeah. I think with our two tight ends, that's the best way to build around it. Then you get the shifty, speedy receivers and go from there. But, I mean, you can't fault anybody for going off of Kansas City's offense either. That's a great offense. But I think, personally, we should be building around a two tight end set. We have two really good tight ends that are going to cause mismatches. And you kind of saw it towards the end of the year when all the receivers got hurt. They finally realized, hey, we can go to Earth and Goddard, not just one or the other. Yeah. So I'm really hoping they continue to do that. If they don't, as much as I don't want to do this, you got to move one of them then. But I'm I'm all for go-to tight end sets, two receivers. That's why I also wasn't – I didn't think we needed a ton of receivers. Like a lot of, for me, most of them, I just want to see two receivers on the field. Now, I'm not saying all the time. You're obviously going to three as I said, but yeah. I like watching our tight ends out there. They're mismatches. And – Earth is a guy gets open, catch it. Yeah, afterwards he kind of just falls down. But <laughs> Goddard looks like he could possibly be even better than Earth. He at least going to run some people over. Yeah. I don't trust his catching as much, but he's younger. But that's where that's how I would build the offense more around those two tight ends, and you go to those two receivers, and then you still got Sanders out of the backfield. Like I actually like the offense. I think the offense should be able to move the ball as long as Doug calls the right plays. Yeah, and these players learn to hold on and catch the ball, but I think we'll be, I think the offense is going to be good this year. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't agree necessarily that they were trying to copy the way that Kansas city runs their offense. I, I think that there was definitely a commitment to, to getting some speed on the roster. You could tell last year that that was the attempt they made with Deshaun Jackson. And obviously yeah. what happened happened. But I, I think, I think what was, what was more important to them. And I think they're going to try to run their offense still through those two tight end sets is, the last year, the, the 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 offense was unable to get huge chunks of yards at any particular moment because they lacked the vertical threat that a Deshaun Jackson or potentially a Jalen Rager or whoever offers. And so there was all this congestion surrounding Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz because none of the wide receivers could get downfield and get open. And so this commitment to speed, I think, was really a means to kind of open up the field, start to be able to get developed chunk plays and not have to piece together these 12-play, 90-yard drives where you need to consistently perform on third and long or third and mid, and you can rip off 30, 40, 50 yards at a time. Um, I do think that the offense is going to be really, really effective this year. I think that Carson Wentz is going to have as good an offensive weapon set that he's had since maybe 2017. Um, I, I, I think that they've made a lot of changes in their offensive coaches and brought in a lot of people that came from 
different schools of thought. So obviously Doug was brought up under Andy and the West Coast offense, and so they have that basis. They brought in Scangrello, who came through the Shanahan tree, where they're running a lot of the stuff they ran out in San Francisco and then previously with the Redskins and the Broncos. They brought back Marty, and Marty, of course, was underneath Andy and came from the West Coast thing, but Marty spent some time in in Baltimore where they started to originally use Lamar Jackson as their quarterback for the last end of that year. And so he brings a little bit of that aspect. So I think that they're going to create a unique offense that fits their personnel, but it's going to feed from a lot of the successful offenses from the last couple of years, the Shanahan, the, the Baltimore operation, and the Andy Reid, Doug Peterson branch of West Coast offense. So I think it's going to be a, a conglomeration of a lot of different schools of thought. And Shanahan, if I'm not mistaken, is also a form of the West Coast offense. It's just... Yeah a different form of it. So I think it's going to be a unique entity, but the commitment to speed to open up those plays, get bigger gains and allow Dallas Goddard and Zachary to function a lot more effectively is going to produce a, I think a really good offense. So Nick, yep. what is your view on Howie Roseman? I, I don't trust Howie with pretty much anything other than maneuvering the cap. And then the same amount, if you remember, I texted you once. I, this was a, like a month ago now, so I can't remember exactly how the article was, but it actually hit on how bad our cap situation is, not this year, yeah. but next, next following year. year. Yeah. And when I read that, I was really surprised because the only thing I I really trust Howie with is maneuvering the cap. And I'm like, well, this guy kind of dug us into a bad cap situation. But – I do know, like, next year looks bad, but then he'll, like, restructure. But as far as evaluating, I I don't trust him. Um, I I don't – I haven't seen him make a huge slash talent. Like, like, yes, he's hit on some draft picks, but, I mean, anybody can hit on some draft picks. It's going to happen. I just felt like I've scratched my head at more of of his picks than – I was happy about them. Even his free agency moves, I, I don't like. Like now, I know this is easier to say now because Jeffrey became. I don't. I don't really know what happened with him, but like you re-upped him, and we all saw like he was obviously slow anyway, and he kind of was losing a little bit. I thought they did that a little early. Again, it's easier to say it now because now he's kind of like a negative influence in the room. Yeah, but I just I, I'm not a fan of his at all. Uh, I would like him to be fired. <laughs> you're you're you've all you're a little harsh, I think, on Howie. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I am. But I I I get I get your your issues, and obviously I've highlighted a bunch of that I've had throughout this conversation. The man created the 2017 Eagles that won the Super Bowl. He got us out from the crap that was left over after the Chip Kelly era. And do I think that he's the greatest drafter? No. Do I think Joe Douglas going to the Jets really hurt our ability to draft successfully? And we've had some questionable picks even with Joe Douglas, but Joe Douglas is a football guy and has had a long career of evaluating talent that I don't think Howie Roseman's had. I, I think Howie Roseman, like a lot of GMs, is a mixed bag. and you, you take the good with the bad. And we just talked about how we are very excited about this Eagles offense coming forward. And a lot of the pieces that are in place are because of Howie Roseman. So, I mean, does he deserve a lot of criticism? And does he make questionable decisions? 
absolutely. But he also <laughs> deserves kudos when kudos deserved. And this offense looks like it's going to be a very good offense. And he is a big part of that architecture, the developing and bringing all that talent together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know. I, I trashed him, and I, I don't like it. He does do some good moves, obviously. And like you said, when he he was able to get us out of that Chip Kelly trash that he left us with. But I just don't. I don't think his. I, I. You can get someone that does what he does and hit on more of the picks. I feel. But but he isn't the first guy I would fire. I would get rid of Swartz over Howie if that makes you feel a little bit better about how I, I trashed Howie. And Jim Schwartz ain't going nowhere unless yeah. he gets a head coaching job. No, yeah. I don't understand it. The guy. I, I will say sometimes I'm like, all right, you know what? The defense actually does play better than I thought with the talent wise. But I, I mean, we don't generate a ton of turnovers. We don't generate a lot of sacks. I, I don't know what 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 makes. Us want to. I guess we just don't want to be any worse. Maybe it's just me too, but I am not. A, I was. I, I wasn't a fan of Schwartz when we got him. He wasn't good in Detroit. I didn't think his defenses were pretty consistently yeah. good in Detroit, his, Tennessee, and, and Buffalo. The Bills. Was yeah, he was alright. Oh, the line has to get pressure, which I'm okay with if your line gets that pressure. But our line doesn't, for the most point. Like, and, and I know a lot of people are going to do I'm not the biggest Brandon Graham fan. I don't hate the guy. I think he is the top end against the run, but I don't think he's ever had a 10-sack season. So I want my stud end being that guy. I want my end to get after the quarterback. And then when Graham's your number one, you got the – I can't think of his name right now. The uh, Barnett. Barnett, thank you, who when we drafted him, people said he's a, a Brandon Graham step. And I was like, well, great. That means he's not going to turn a ton of pressure. Yeah, he gets there sometimes. And Graham – Love him always for the strip sack on Brady, but he's a guy who's what eight nine years in. I don't think he's ever had double digit sack season. We we got to upgrade that. Yeah, I I'm not as critical as Brandon Graham as as you are. Brandon Graham, if you look and not to get too analytics based on you, but like he generates pressure yeah. at a rate that is equitable to the best defensive end. He just in, doesn't get sacked in the NFL, and so a lot of a lot of a lot of people are starting to talk about like whether or not sacks are really the best indicator of generating yeah. quarterback pressure in the NFL because the for as many times as you can make a move and get to the quarterback and create a sack, just as many times that quarterback stepped up away from you when you generate that pressure and you fall into the hands of a defensive tackle or the other defensive end or a linebacker who just happens to be kind of in a gridlock with whatever offensive lineman he's battling. So Sacks necessarily aren't really the best indicator of generating pressure. And if you follow the the analytics of pressure generation, it seems like Brandon Graham, year in and year out, hurt, not yeah. hurt, He's is on consistently top. getting yeah. pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. I would argue that maybe Derek Barnett maybe isn't the guy that they had anticipated and thought when they had drafted him. But again, he he's also young. And I, I guess we kind of sometimes get into that habit of, this is going to be the year for Derek Barnett, like we were with Zach Ertz. And he obviously eventually pulled it together that one year. Remember, remember there was that series where we had Zach Ertz put together like the most like epic Decembers for three straight yeah. seasons, but then like wasn't showing up for the first like three months of the season. Yeah. It seems like we're in that same habit with Derek Barnett. This is the year. This is the year. This is the year. But it hasn't come to fruition yet. But I don't. I don't get the Brandon Graham criticism. I think he is 
one of the best defensive ends that exists in the NFL. And he can, you're right, he is a dominant run defensive end and he generates pass rush on a regular basis. So I'm all in on Brandon Graham. Yeah. I, I just want to, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I know I trashed him. I don't think he is one of the worst ends in the league. I just, if I, with Graham's hair with Barnett, it just, it doesn't work for me. Because yes, Graham generates some pressure, but he doesn't get there. And if he's generating pressure and not getting there, when those other guys can get there either, it's kind of like, well, I don't really care because then the, the quarterback just slides over, completes that third down pass, and all right, good, he's generating pressure. They still got the ball. You got to get there for me sooner or later. And Graham, I do, I, it sucks that I really like him. I like him as, like, his personality, I love. Like, I want him to be a little better so I can just be all in on it. It's just like, it's been all this time, you know, buddy, get me 10 cents. And I'm sorry, if you're not, for me personally, get out then. And it, I'd rather move Barnett over Graham, but we just drafted Barnett. He's not going to work just yet. Yeah. So, so the Eagles are moving forward with Andre Dillard. Um, to me, this is the move that they had to make. I know it was some, you know, rumblings of Jason Peters coming back and this and that. But at the same time, um, like we all said, and just like Pat said, you gave up these draft um, compensations to move up in the draft to get this guy So um, in the first round. So we have to play this guy. Um, do I think that he would be a good tackle? Um, we don't know yet. We just have to see. But at the same time, um, if you paid um, what you paid to move up um, and get this guy, um, he was a first-round pick, you have to play him. Um, what do you got? What are your guys' thoughts on that, Nick? Uh, I don't know how Dillard is yet. I don't hate the guy because we just didn't see enough. I thought little we saw him at left tackle. He looked all right to me. But, I mean, I also didn't focus in on watching so maybe he was looking worse. I thought he did not look that good at right tackle when he was there. But, I don't know. He looked fine to me. And it's weird. The the way the Eagles seem to talk or the media talks about, like, we never seem to be all on board on uh, Big V. And I was a big, Big V fan. Other than when Ryan Kerrigan just stole his lunch money that one yeah. game. I thought the man had a very solid career for us. I thought he actually deserved more credit than he got here. I'm glad he got paid when he left. I think he deserved it. He was the left tackle in the Super Bowl. Bowls looked pretty clean to me. I, I never had a problem with him. So I don't have a problem with Dillard either. I'm like Pat said earlier, our coach seems to be able to develop them. Um, love Jason Peters, but he's like 38, 39 now. I think they had to move on from him. I don't have a problem with sliding Dillard in there. I, I think they'll be all right. Yeah. Are are we sure they've moved on from Jason Peters? No, we don't know. <laughs> because but, he's still know. floating out there, and like it seems like every other day, there's like some new article about like is Jason Peters going to come back to the Eagles? Yeah. Um. I I I I'm hopeful for him. To to Nick's point, the couple games that he played left tackle, he he was pretty good. And they always say that the that the the good sign of an offensive tackle is that you don't or offensive lineman is you don't notice them. And so he he played pretty well at left tackle a couple games. He had those he had a horrendous game at right tackle, and that's what kind of on people's memory because that was the last game that he had started during that run. But um, I I feel like you have to trust the coaches and you have to trust that they are going to go forward with him and they have confidence in him. To get back to the Vi thing, 
I don't know if you remember, they gave Vitae uh, a tight end or help on his side almost every single play when he was in there. And I'm exaggerating off every single play, but Vitae received a lot of help on his side. And he was able to succeed because of that help and because Lane Johnson is probably the best right tackle in the NFL, right? So yeah. Lane Johnson never needs help on his side of the, the line. So I think Vitae was a, was for where he was drafted, the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken, was a great pick. And he provided a lot of depth and he provided some starts when he needed them for the years. But you could you had to cut ties on Vitae because you weren't going to pay him top left tackle money after drafting Dillard and needing to support him so many times during the times you had him start. Uh, I thought Vitae was pretty impressive as a guard last year, too. Yeah, so he honestly, was killing as a guard. I like him yeah. as a guard. Siamalu came back and ended up having a really good year last year as a guard anyway, so yeah. I get him being expendable, but I think what Vitae really offered you was flexibility and his ability to play multiple positions along the line that the Eagles obviously covet. And if you're going to pay him left tackle money, you got to be sure that he's the man at left tackle. And I don't think he was that guy. Yeah. So there's been talks of, you know, the Eagles looking into the veteran um, free agent market for a veteran running back. To me, I don't think they need um, a veteran running back on this team. They have one of the best young running backs in Miles Sanders. Um, and I don't want him um, to be taken off the field this season. So um, I know they have Freeman as one of their um, people that they're talking to. And then there's Shady Talk. Um, I don't want none of these two players to me because you want to stunt um, Miles Sanders' growth. And I think Miles Sanders is a three-down running back. Um, and... Um, if he's tired, you can put in a Boston Scott or whoever else. But at the same time, I don't want Miles Sanders off the field. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I really love Sanders. Uh, I'm not against bringing in a veteran as long as you're bringing in for decent money and they realize this is Sanders' team. You're not really getting carries unless he needs a breather. i also a big fan of Boston Scott. I like our running backs as is. I don't think we need to bring in anyone else. If they want to bring in a veteran, they can, but I just hope you're bringing them in just as a veteran presence, not to be stealing carries from Sanders. I agree with you, Sam. Okay. Sanders a three down back. Yeah. I want to see him as much you can. Let him continue to learn. I, I but if they bring in one for the right price and as long as they don't overuse them, I'll be okay with that also. Yeah. I I agree that Miles Sanders needs to get the majority of the touches and that Boston Scott needs to be utilized in that offense because he was he was just too dynamic at the end of that year yeah, to not killing. give him a, a solid role in the offense going forward. I, I, I think that signing a veteran and running back makes sense and everything that I've read and I've heard is that the Eagles are committed to developing those young guys and they just want to have a veteran presence in there for however many snaps they're going to do. It seems between the two of them at this particular juncture, Devonta Freeman still believes that he's a starting running back in the NFL and deserves more money than what the Eagles are willing to allot for this role that they have. So at this particular point, I think LaShawn makes sense from a monetary standpoint, from a uh, standpoint of bringing him back into the fold and kind of healing those wounds after Chip kind of got rid of him and 
there was obviously that bad blood between the Eagles and him for a little while. And also, LaShawn is coming from a situation in Kansas City where he wasn't the main man. In fact, he was inactive during the playoffs and didn't actually play a snap. And so he understands playing a role with the stick one because he had the experience from last year. So I think between the two of them, LaShawn makes the most sense to play. Also, LaShawn doesn't have the injury history that Devonta has. Yeah. So I really think that across a lot of different um, point of views, LaShawn, I think, makes the most sense to bring back between the two of them. Yeah. So um, to close this pod out, um, the thoughts on the upcoming season. Um, I think that the Eagles offense will be dynamic and um, it could be a chance that Carson Wentz, if healthy, can be an MVP candidate. Um, I think overall our record could be 11 and five um, winning the division. Um, I don't know, you know, Barring any injuries, I can't look at that, but I think um, we have a good chance of being um, 11 and 5 team um, going into the playoffs. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I actually I agree with 11 and 5. We have a pretty tough schedule. There's a, I can't remember, the, I don't have the schedule, so I can't remember the exact patch. There's a tough patch in there, but yeah, I mean, this team made the playoffs with so many injuries. I would be surprised and very upset we do not get back there. I think we should win the division. I, I, I mean, I like this team as much. I know I come off negative sometimes, sometimes, but I think we have a really good team. Again, I can't read it. We went to the playoffs with a crazy number of injuries on offense, and the offense still moved the ball. Not great, but it moved enough to make the playoffs. So you come back with a healthy team. We do have more depth now. I think they're a very good team. I also don't think there's any clear-cut like juggernauts anymore in the NFL. So – I don't see why we shouldn't be in the playoffs this year. Pat, you don't think that the Kansas City Chiefs are a juggernaut? I'm sorry, I should have said in the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, they look pretty damn good to me last year. So their offense is great. Their defense can still be beat. But yes, I, the Chiefs, are, I, I, meant, I meant to say NFC. But to beat them, you need to score like 65 points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to say NFC. <laughs> Um, I, I see a 10 and six record. Okay. Uh, I, I think that they're going to have a classic Eagles week where they lose somebody they shouldn't lose. And that stretch that you were referencing, uh, um, Nick was, uh, a week, uh, they starting in October 4th, they go against the 49ers, the Steelers and the Ravens back to back to back in a span of 14 days. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, that could really be three losses. It's, it's brutal. It really is brutal. Real brutal. And so I, I, I see 10 and six. I see them. And this is hasn't happened since two thousand four, where two where a team won the NFC two years in a row. I see them winning the NFC, and I think the offense is great. I I wonder what's going to happen considering their lack of commitment to a linebackers. I mean, they're literally walking out Nate Jerry and T.J. Edwards as their starting linebackers at this particular juncture. So. I'm I'm certainly worried about the the defense, but I do think that they go ten and six, they make the playoffs, and when you're in there, you kind of see what happens. Is this the first year where they're going to have seven seeds in the playoffs? I don't think, but maybe okay. that might be it. I I, I can't rec- recollect if they will. Have I don't seven. think they're going to be in play for one of those for the for, for the for the first round by, so yeah. it doesn't really matter at this particular juncture. But. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I, I do agree with that. 
episode five that's a wrap people until the next time stay safe give respect and show love one make sure you go listen to all old and new nbc podcast episodes on all podcasting platforms and please go to www.nothingbutconvos.com for the latest apparel